hello everyone. I am so excited about this week's conversation of Deep Gospel. And uh, it's our third conversation. Like I said, when we started these, we're um, expanding our family of partners and who um, is joining us for conversation. So this week, um, we have Gil Martin joining us. Gil, do you want to introduce yourself? Love to. I'm, I'm Gil Martin. I, um, what, what can I say about myself? I grew up here in Jacksonville. Um, went to Crossroad Church. I now currently work at Crossroad Church as the youth pastor there. Um, so cool. It's come full circle. Um, I have a beautiful and amazing wife who's also pastoring the United Methodist Church at River of Life United Methodist Church. Her name's Perry, and I have four lovely children. Um, oldest is seven, and the youngest is two. So lots of fun around here. I think um, you earned an extra jewel in your crown in heaven when Perry got Corona and you were on full-time duty with all, all four. Um, I know you guys are great partners together based on the conversations and stuff I've had with Perry. So when one of y'all's down, I'm sure that really impacts the flow. Yes, very traumatic experience. So, but glad it's over. <laughs> The other thing people in our community might know is that Derek uh, and you know each other through Crossroads and Derek speaks extremely highly of you. Um, a little bit of, uh, he calls it a man crush on just, you know, y'all gone on trips together and things like that. So uh, it's really good to have you join us. People get to know this person they've heard, heard tell of. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Now the man crush is officially public news. So there you go. <laughs> You're welcome, Derek. <laughs> um, we also have uh, Sydney Buchanan joining us. Um, and Sydney is a, oh gosh, um, tell, tell everybody what, what you're doing these days. Um, my new title is a ministry, ministry specialist. Um, I believe Derek can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, oh, well, also, first of all, I'd like to, I'm losing my voice right now. So if my voice sounds funny, it's because I'm sick. It's not Corona. I got tested twice, but I get really bad allergies once a year. And so my voice is going. Anyways, that's my disclaimer. Yes, ministry specialist, um, still leading worship, um, still leading community conversations, and uh, CCW is still my community, but I'm just focusing on school these days a little bit more. Thanks, Sydney. And then we also have Sarah joining us. Um, Sarah, I'll let you introduce yourself too. Oh, spicy. Okay. Um, so I'm Sarah, as Haley said, I recently became the assistant director of communication in Studio Wesley for CCW. Um, wow, it's the first time I'm like saying that like on a thing that's really weird. <laughs> um, and basically that means that I do a lot of things with social media and communication and organization and content creation and yeah, that's it. And I guess I should introduce myself. Um, I'm Haley Eccles. I'm the Associate Director and Pastor in Residence at CCW. Um, and one of the areas I'm over is media. So Sarah is like my like 
partner in crime, but also the person who's making sure I do all of the things more so than me making sure she does all the things. Um, and then also over uh, discipleship and development. So um, we, we stay pretty busy, don't we? <laughs> um, so we'll we're gonna do our conversation around uh, this next lex lectionary passage, which takes us back to Mark, uh, Mark 1, 14 through 20. Um, but before we launch into our conversation, Sarah, would you open us in prayer? Sure. Um, dear God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together today and dive deeper into your word. Um, we ask that you would guide our discussion and bless our time together, that it may be uplifting and edifying, but also challenging to all of us involved in this aspect of it, but also everyone who watches and engages with it later. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, Gil, if you will read our scripture for us, and I think you said you were reading the New Living uh, Translation. Yes, ma'am. Here we go. Mark 1, 14 through 20. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So I, um, I'm going to start us out with the things that we liked in this passage, and that just kind of helps us ground and connect um, to God's word where we're at, because um, I think God meets us where we are at, uh, especially in this story. So um, I will start by saying that the lectionary skips over two verses in Mark as we're going through Mark. It skips over verses 12 and 13. Um, and I bring that up because there's a flow to Jesus' ministry. Jesus is baptized and we see the Holy Spirit descend. And the very first act of his ministry is to go and fast and pray. And we skipped over that part. But then the next thing he does after fasting, after praying, um, is to go find people, to go invest in people, to see people. And so that's what I really like, that there's this emphasis on, um, on the importance of relationship uh, in Jesus' ministry, that it becomes the foundation of what Jesus is doing. Um, Sydney, what about you? What did you like? Um, yes, I, I, I think similarly to you, Haley, I love, um, I just love the way Simon and Andrew respond to Jesus, because that is something I would just never do. 
<laughs> as someone who's constantly thinking of worst case scenarios and and when I make big life decisions I'm like a really thought through person but in this moment when Jesus is like come come follow me um that there there was something about Jesus that Simon and Andrew were like all right like let's just leave our lives behind and I, I'm always inspired by that I'm always like striving for that kind of um trust in my relationship with Jesus that the moment I feel Jesus call me I would respond um and so yeah I think that was that was the first thing that stuck out to me that I really liked about this um passage was that example thanks Cindy I love how your connections are always so personal and um and just being able to think about what it's like to be there and be on the seaside and hear Jesus' words. Um, Sarah, what about you? What did you like? Um, yeah, I think for me, the thing that really sticks out and like I enjoy is the line about like, I will make you fishers of people or some translations say fishers of men, but that's a little sexist. So I like fishers of people better. Um, <laughs> but basically when I hear that, like it puts this emphasis on the importance of like community and people and humanity and togetherness. And it almost to me like is another way of saying like, I will teach you how to connect and be in community with others because humanity matters and people need one another. Like I'm going to teach you how to care for one another and love one another and connect with one another. And I think particularly during like this season of like COVID that's like more important and relatable than ever. I think it's always been important and relatable, but I truly like that in this particular season, especially. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, I and it's such a um, memorable phrase, um, fishing for people. Um, Gil, what about you? What did you like? I, I like just Jesus's approach to something, asking something so big and making it so simple at the same time. Um, and there's a couple of things in that invitation that I pulled out, like as a youth pastor, I'm constantly looking for that connection between what the youth are passionate about and how they can relate that to Jesus and how he related this, their livelihood, their career, their financial stability and what they did for a living and fishing. And he related that to going and preaching the gospel um i mean he took fishing and then made it uh, an analogy in a sermon you know like and it's something that simon and, and andrew and james and john could understand and obviously we can get into the details of how much they knew of jesus before this happened but you know i just love that and my my reading in, of the nlt i love the word that jesus used of i will show you how to fish for people because I'm a visual learner like if I don't know how to do something I'm pulling something up on YouTube I'm like trying to get somebody else to show me how to do it before I can master the skill and to know that that's the character of Jesus that he's hands-on that he's working with people in relationship like you said Haley and that he wants to physically show me how to do it because that's that's the characteristic of a good leader um and I just think that's that's how I relate to Jesus and that's how he shows up to me um, is that he's working with me and alongside of me. So that's what I love about this scripture. 
Yeah, I really love that. And I, I would love to um, imagine what some of the like modern day equivalents would be like, you know, is Jesus going up to like an appraiser and saying like, I will help you see value in people? Or is he going up to a builder and saying like, I'm going to use you to build up my kingdom? You know, I mean, there's definitely um, an acknowledgement and maybe even an affirmation that like, I know who you are, like before you get a chance to say, you've got the wrong person, like I've made a connection to the fact that like, I know you're not an evangelist, I know you're a fisherman, and I'm going to use that skill anyway. Um, I think that's really important. Um, likes are wonderful, but also likes are kind of the things that you can like, needle point on a pillow and never going to actually like change the world. So um, that's why we moved to challenges. And I'm going to ask Sydney to get us started on challenges. Yes, challenges are always the easy part for me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I think for me, and I think I, 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 don't, I feel like I come back to this most times I'm on Deep Gospel, but there's always when I, as someone who grew up in the church and grew up with the language in these stories, um, I have a lot of very specific associations with the ways that these stories have been used um, to teach me very specific things. And so I'm always, I always get a little bit, like a little bit, um, not cringy, but kind of just like, um, hesitant around language like repentance, you know, and like there's a beautiful conversation around that word specifically, but my instinct is always to be like, eh, like, um, because of the way that was used uh, to instill shame in my early um, kind of Christian childhood. Um, so I would say this challenge for me probably, what challenged me the most is in verse 15. Um, whenever Jesus is saying the time promised by God has come at last, like the kingdom of God is near, repent for your sins and believe the good news. And I think, I think that there's like kind of two parts to my challenge. One, I'm always unpacking what it means to live a life of repentance. Um, and, and it not look like a life where I'm held back by my shame right those aren't the same things being repentant is not being a sh person riddled with shame um and i'm also always intrigued by this urgency that jesus will bring to these moments because it feels like i mean is it that not that it's not that urgent but also like we're still here it's not like jesus has come back already like we're still all in this process of making the earth new and making this you know what i mean and restoring so i always have these moments where i'm like the kingdom is here we have so much work to do what do you mean the kingdom is near like how long has it been since you were here jesus and we're still working on it so i don't know those are just like my challenges and things that i wrestle with in these kinds of scriptures yeah, I feel like we could unpack so many of those things. I really like um, situating us, though, in that in that urgency and wondering what is the urgency for us now. Um, and, and in some ways, it all feels urgent 
like in some, like in just needing the kingdom, but then also um, being able to live out that urgency at more of a marathon pace than a sprinter's pace kind of thing. Yeah, I just, um, I'm so many thoughts are sparking with your challenge. So thank you, Sydney, for taking us there. Uh, Sarah, what is your challenge? Yeah, um, one, I want to say I totally relate to Sydney, like about how growing up in the church situates certain verses and stories and words like in past experiences and like the way the church might have used said passage to further their agenda rather than like encourage a deeper dive. Um, it's not always what happens, but it does happen sometimes. And so I definitely relate to that, which it kind of relates to my challenge with this is like, cause literally Jesus is like, come and follow me. And they just like get up and leave, right? Like it's this immediate, like there doesn't seem to be like thought and like concern, which like, I guess is great, but that's not who I am. And also I feel like it kind of doesn't establish a super like good relationship with the people you just left in the middle of a job, it sounds like in some of these cases, right? Like, like if I was in the middle of, you know, a meeting, right? And then all of a sudden this guy comes up and is like, yo, come follow me. And then I just like leave. And we were in the middle of planning like something important. Like that doesn't really set me up to be a good witness later on in my head. Like, that's like, what the heck? Like, what'd you just do? <laughs> um, and so I, I think sometimes like, it's hard for me to hear that immediacy. And then like knowing that the church sometimes uses things like that to pressure people into doing things they don't want to do because they are like, God is calling us to this, but maybe you don't feel like God is actually calling you to this. And so you get pressured into this immediate, like, come with us, we have to go now. And people aren't given the time to like sit in discernment that maybe they need to sit in, so. Sorry, it's so interesting that you bring up um, them just leaving and like how that impacts the people that are still left doing important work. Um, because one of the things I noticed when I was reading it um, through again this morning um, was that Mark gives us this detail that um, James and John leave their father with the hired men. And I thought it was so interesting that we get this detail of like, they didn't just leave their dad to like do all of the work, but that he does have some other people there. Um, I just thought it was, I was just wondering, like, I wonder if he left that in so that they seem like they're not being jerks to their dad, but like that their dad is still has help. Yeah, I noticed that too, but I'm like, still like, if you had, you know, your dad and two hired dudes, plus you, that's still a five-man job you planned for, and now you're down to three men, like, right. I would still like, as someone who plans events, that would throw me off and like wreck all sorts of things, and I'm just like, I would not be wanting to hear what they had to say about Jesus when they came back, like, I would be a little mad. <laughs> I just, I just thought that was interesting, but yeah, I mean, it is, there is an immediacy that I have um, more to say about that with my challenge, but I want to hear what uh, Gil has to say first. Yeah, mine kind of 
ties in with Sarah and I, I, I can't wait to hear what Haley has to say about the everybody's urgency is different as far as their calls on their life. Um, but my, mine has to just do with that, that word come, like come follow me. Um, because my, my call to ministry was, I wouldn't say it was, I wasn't kicking and screaming. I just felt like it took me a while to hear it. Um, and I noticed that just that challenge to, it kind of ties into what Sarah was saying, that challenge to just step out um, because one of my biggest fears is failure and not having it planned out and not having it thought through. And that I would love to say that I'm willing to accept the invitation always no matter how urgent or un not urgent it is. And, you know, I think back to, it reminds me of another piece of scripture, like when the disciples are on, on a boat in a storm and Jesus shows up like a ghost and Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come on, let's go. Um, and we know Peter, I mean, he just jumps out and he's like, let's do this. Um, and I, that's the challenge for me is I know not everybody's like Peter and not everybody's like Andrew and everybody's their own person, but I just, we see four of his disciples right here willing to drop everything and go. And I, the challenge for me is I know I'm leading a life of ministry as, as an example, each and every day and all that I do, but I want to be able to answer the call every single time. And not just in my ministry, but with my family, with my friends, um, in all circumstances. So that's that's the challenging thing for me is that I'm I'm willing to answer the call, and that I'm willing to just listen and accept it. I think that is a really good message for all of us. One, because if if we don't see ourselves a little bit in that fear of failure and getting started. I think we're not taking the kind of risks that God is calling us to take sometimes. Um, but in getting started is, uh, or in, in even just worries over, do we have the right sensitivities to know that this is God or not God? I feel like those are the conversations mm. that um, I have more than anything else of like, this seems like a good thing do I think it's a good thing or does God think it's a good thing? Is this Jesus saying, come on? Or is this Haley saying like, let's do this kind of thing? Yeah. And then, and then there's that, it, there's that whole thing of just like, you know, the, I feel like the stereotypical answer that we give as pastors or just as friends is like, we'll go do it. And then if it fails, it's not God's will, but there's beauty in the failure too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Peter, failed a bunch and yet he was called to be the rock of the church and start the, the kingdom of God and it's just you know I just think of countless examples of the Bible people messed up but they were still called to do the thing you know so it's, it's that discernment process you know and, and how how long does it take back to Sarah's comment of is this an urgent moment do I need to sit in this um so it, it's definitely a learning curve for sure. Yeah, it's like we don't get the grace to fail if we don't 
take mm. the first step. Yeah. And try. I I really um I hear that. My my challenge um I think fits really well and yet is a little bit different from everyone else's because I I am wondering and I feel like we are missing some stories of people who didn't come. We only really have one clear like, yeah, that's not for me in the story of like the rich young ruler type story. Um, but I wanna know about Jesus rejection. Like, I really wanna know about that risk of saying no and, and what happened. And it's wonderful to hear the people who say yes and learn from them saying yes. Um, but maybe that urgency becomes more clear when we hear, you know, well, Adam said no. And like Tyler said, no, like all these other random people that Jesus came up to, like, maybe he started first with like, you know, a whole different group and was like, no, I'm going to go out to the fishermen. Like, I don't know why I like tried to start here. Um, and so, so I just wonder about recovering those kind of lost stories, um, of the, of the people where Jesus said, come and follow me. Um, and I do, I think I, I think a lot about the ways of a fear of rejection can sometimes stop like that ministry that work with people, um, especially in thinking through my own call to disciple, um, you know, and order the life of the church and thinking about how important it is to be the person who just says, hey, I'm here whenever. I'm going to keep offering up opportunities for coffee anytime you want them. Come, you know, and join me a bowl bean, but like also to be okay and not limit myself who, who I would be offering those things to because I'm worried about them saying no. Um, that that invitation should be open to everybody uh, and not just the people who I'm like, I hope they like me. <laughs> um, and I think uh, I'm assuming that that had to happen because Jesus was out there trying to gather up and, and ended up gathering up these crowds. But we know of at least a couple people who said no. I'm sure that there's more stories too. Um, we move from our challenge into our gospel implications because a lot of times that wrestling is where we really find that lasting good news and takeaway for us. Um, and so I'm gonna ask Sarah to start with her gospel implication. Yeah. Um, I think for me, a lot of the gospel implication of this, like, is tied to my challenge in some ways, and also just who I am as a person, and it's kind of that following Jesus is going to require us to change, like, it's going to require transformation to occur, and as someone who really likes things to stay the same and routine and steadiness, that is not what I want to hear. But I think some of what this passage says to us is that we have to be willing 
to be transformed so that we might more fully experience the love of God and the goodness of God and the fullness of God, but also that other people might experience those things, right? Like we have to be willing to maybe not be fishermen anymore, even though we've been a fisherman our whole life. And we probably thought we were going to be a fisherman our whole lives. You know, I don't know. I'm putting projecting onto those people, but there is something powerful in choosing transformation rather than steadiness in some ways. And there is a steadiness to transformation as well. That being said, this is not a pressure to like change. And I also believe that like things we value and have passions for are often put there by God and that God will use those things in our transformation and allow us to dive more deeply into ourselves and our passions. But I think in order for the world to be transformed and for heaven to come on earth and for the kingdom to be near and for all of those things to happen and for us to keep striving for perfection and letting it be on earth as it is in heaven, we have to be willing to let ourselves be transformed so that we can transform the world. I love that, Sarah. And I also think that even for people who feel passionate about a thing, that this is where God is calling them, that God's not going to call them to do that thing the same way through the whole time they're doing it, that we continue to like be renewed and we learn new things, we grow uh, in those things. So I, I, I think that there's a lot in there about being okay with change, which is not easy. Um, Gail, what about you? What was your gospel implication? So as, as Haley said earlier in my intro, I've known Derek a long time. And in my college years, um, he was leading a ministry called Access 218 at Crossroad. And he went through this period of time. It was probably related to um, a message series he was doing, but he went through this period of time where he'd walk around and he would just say, the kingdom of God is near. What are you going to do about it? And when I read the scripture several times this week, um, I was reminded of that time in my life and kind of going back to what Sydney said earlier and that how she beautifully put it of how do we live a life of repentance, but not a life of shame. Um, I think that when we are trying to live a life that's honoring and an example of the kingdom of God coming. I think it's just that it's fishing for people. Uh, it's, I think, as you guys said, I think it was last week um, in your last deep gospel, like Mark didn't mince words. And I think, you know, as you, as you allude to, like maybe there were some people that they left out that said, no, I think it's eloquently put that Jesus throws out this statement of the kingdom of God is near and then he instantly goes into recruiting or gathering people to do the work of the Lord um, and spread the gospel. And I think, how do I make my life that example in everything I do? Being in ministry is easier for me to do that, but I now have to take it out of the church walls and to everybody else that's around me, whether it's at Publix or at the playground or anywhere else coaching basketball, you know, anywhere else that I'm at, I want people to see Christ through me. Um, so how am I fishing? 
So that's kind of how, where I'm leading is how am I, what's my, how am I fishing for people? It makes me think of, and I think you might relate to this skill, although I don't know fully what your kids are into, but in um, the second uh, movie Frozen, there's this like song about doing the next right thing. And it's like, Jesus is giving like the pinnacle of like the kingdom is here. We're bringing in the kingdom, but come and follow me. We're going to, we're just going to take those like steps towards it, that it's not like, um, an all or nothing type journey. And I, I think that's helpful to, um, as we look for gospel in our own lives, that we don't get overwhelmed. Um, that we're like, uh, I'm thinking of that, um, passage in Romans where it's like, we're pressed, but we're not crushed. Um, that we, we have these like moments that are helping us, you know, lead into the next right thing, but they're not like overwhelming because we're, have our eyes on the horizon, not the, the churn around us. Um, my gospel implication is something that I just think is core to the Christian faith. And I've uh, said this a, a few times in deep gospel because, um, you know, having a, a Trinitarian faith, having um, a faith that is um, based in relationship to me is what is the most important thing. Um, I'm kind of brought back to this experience I had uh, when I was pastoring at Murray Hill uh, United Methodist in, um, in Jacksonville is um, I had a call from one of the directors in the Salvation Army. She invited me to come and kind of know what resources were there. So as people needed things in my congregation that I would be able to help uh, them access and, and have that kind of connection. While I was sitting in the waiting room and a lot of um, people in the waiting room are getting um, maybe, maybe job type resources, especially for people who are on, um, Oh, what do you call it? Probation on probation. Um, they were waiting to find out if they could stay in the shelter, you know, this group of people. And there was a man in there um, with a Bible, just preaching, just like going on. I mean, I came in and he was already preaching and I was in the waiting room for a good 15 minutes. He finished his sermon and then he just kind of walked out and that was kind of the end of it. And what I see in this passage is that the, the gospel is being proclaimed to everyone, but Jesus isn't just like, all right, I put it out there. I did my job and then I'm done. Jesus is like taking that next step of like, okay, let's like, start forming relationships. Let's do the follow-ups. Let's do the like, and so I found it so interesting when I was sitting in this waiting room and I heard this man saying, hey, I love you guys. And then walking out, but like my assumption, and maybe I'm not reading the situation correctly, but my assumption is that he like didn't know anybody's name, didn't talk to anybody, didn't like ask them like, you know, what brought you here? What do you need? How can I pray for you? There's like lots of other ways to minister. And to me, the more I read and, and think about 
Jesus relational nature, the more I think that the good news comes from um, not just proclaiming truth, but then walking with people deeper into that truth, helping them find that truth, helping finding truth through just relationships with other people, because it's not always uh, me who knows all the things. Sometimes it's somebody else helping uh, me see something um, more true. So um, the fact that relationship is just so grounding to Jesus ministry, I think calls us um, into finding good news through, through community, through people and continuing that work together. So um, I believe Sydney is going to close us out with our last gospel implication. Yes, uh, I don't even, yes, every single thing y'all have said, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, I might even just really be echoing what y'all have already said, but like, I think whenever I think of gospel implication, I'm always reworking, I guess, um, and reapplying the good news to like my life and like what that means for my life. Um, and just honestly, just everything about the scripture is telling me that my life matters, right? And that like accepting gospel is not, um, to to disconnect from my experience of this existence and trust that like Jesus is just gonna save me and save everything and there's nothing for me to do it's like the exact opposite it's like because of Jesus like there's so much for me to do and like and my life will be changed and I will be repenting daily and I will be learning from my mistakes daily and I will be following Jesus and I will be listening to the call and it's so active and um and Jesus will be with me through all of it and so I think it's just like I don't know I guess the gospel implication is just that like um that that this life really matters <laughs> and that um but not but it matters in a way that that um that it's okay for it to be messy in the journey you know what I mean it, it doesn't matter in a way that we need to get it all right right away it, it matters in a way that like that like it's gonna be so active forever and we're always gonna be growing into this and there's always gonna make new ways for this gospel to like change the way we're living so I don't know if any of that made sense but um um yes just echoing everything y'all have said thanks Sydney um well I really really enjoyed this conversation and just a reminder to our community like these are wonderful likes and and challenges and gospel implications and they're not the only ones like we read these things in community because they help shine light on different things um, so that we can kind of together see uh, just even dimly the fullness of like God's goodness in these passages. So thank y'all so much for uh, just that vulnerability and connection in this conversation. And I'm gonna ask Sydney to close us in a word of prayer.
Yes, let's pray. God, we love you um, so much. And we thank you for um, uh, that we get to experience you, God, through um, scripture and through the inspired word and that um and that in community we are constantly getting to see new sides of you um and constantly able to um yes just share in in your goodness and so uh god i pray that we would continue to um be on the journey that we would continue to listen for the call um, we would do our best to respond. Um, and on the days that we don't, um, we would, um, without shame, we would um, repent and we would um, follow you. <laughs> and so, God, thank you for just being with us on this journey, for being full of grace. Um, and yes, um, we love you, God. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And blessings to you all and, and peace with you as you go. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.